Sunday of the month of Hatur. It's about the meeting with our Lord of the rich young ruler. And St. Mark says that he came and knelt before the Lord. He doesn't mention his name, so we don't know who he is. And because he doesn't mention his name, and because he is well, you know, dressed and he looks rich, maybe coming in a chariot, it doesn't say, maybe on a horse, or maybe on a donkey, or... The way he looked, he looked, he had social recognition, he looked powerful, he was young, he could have been handsome, we don't know, but he doesn't mention the name, that means he wasn't well known in the area, although he could have been a ruler but not in Judea, not in the same area. So the disciples didn't know him. And that's why they didn't mention his name. He could be from a distant country, a far, far country. Because of how he looked from outside, we don't know what's from inside, that was his identity. Rich, how he dressed, powerful, he had his status. But what he did, kneeling in front of our Lord, that only means that he has a spirit of humility. Sometimes when you have a status, you are rich or you're powerful, you're, you're famous, Sometimes it's very difficult to be humble. It's not easy. But he was humble. And this is why Jesus loved him later on. But what did this rich young ruler want? He asked Jesus, good teacher, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So he has everything here on earth. He has the money, he has the power, he has everything. Now he wants to win heaven. Is that possible to have both? The ultimate goal in our life, in each one of your life, is to win eternity, to be in heaven. This is why we're working hard now, this is why you're in church now, to be united with God, to talk to Him, to have that relationship. He has it all, but he also now wants to win over heaven. The verse says, to inherit eternal life. Can we inherit eternal life? Heritage? In order to inherit something, like the inheritance of your parents, when they pass away, you take things from them. In order to do that, you have to know Christ. He has to be your father. 
he has to know you to inherit heaven. And this, of course, needs a lot of hard work. But this rich young ruler, coming knowing that Christ is a holy man and a teacher and kneels before him, he knows there is something missing inside of him. He's incomplete. He's void. He's unsatisfied. You can have everything in the world, at the same time, you are not content. You are not happy. Just like Solomon the Great, he was the richest man in the world. He had everything. Everything you can imagine. And at the end, he says, what? Everything is void. Nothing matters. No matter how much you have. He calls our Lord good teacher. Out of respect, he calls him good. Jesus answered him and said, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God. Jesus here is saying that my goodness comes from the Father above. He's trying to show his disciples and many other people around that he and the Father are one. But if you change the word good to perfect, then that makes it more visible. No one is perfect but God himself. So you can't say you're a perfect person. You're only perfect if you're ready to go to heaven now. You're righteous and you're ready. That's when you're perfect. Goodness is from the Father. Showing unity with the Father. But I think some, some people take it literally. And if you tell them that you're a good person, they say, no, 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 I'm not good. Don't say I'm good because Jesus said no one is good on earth. You might realize this. Some people say that. So what do I say if someone is good? You're amazing. You're great. You're awesome. Jesus said... Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So, if I can't say good to you, then I'm saying, try and be perfect, just as our Lord is perfect in heaven. Christ then mentions to this rich young ruler the Ten Commandments. He doesn't mention all of them. He only mentions the common human interaction of the Ten Commandments, not the godly one. He mentions, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, honor your father and your mother. The simple laws that we are, should be abiding by, and everyone should be abiding by. So this young boy, young youth, said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth, since I was young. Now remember that he is very rich. Statistically, unfortunately, when people are very, very rich, sometimes they don't cater for their children, they don't look after their children that much. And so we see 
that their children unfortunately go towards abusing themselves with high dosage of drugs and they fall into this problem. We see this a lot. Because they have everything. Now they want to be high. They want to feel that they're something else. Because they have the material is, I have everything, what else do I need? I want to change, I want to feel happy all the time. But this young, rich ruler has kept the laws and kept all the commandments that was given to him. If you have everything, you can do anything. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I want to say something about St. Mark and his Gospel. St. Mark always brings out the emotions of Jesus. So in this one, his emotion is love. How do you know, St. Mark, that Jesus loved him? Jesus didn't say, I love you. Were you there? First of all, we know that St. Mark, one of the four evangelists, wasn't one of the twelve disciples. So was he there all the time? Was he around all the time? We don't know. All we know that our Lord and the disciples and the Virgin, St. Mary, would always go up to the upper room where St. Mark's family owned and lived. And of course St. Mark was around during St. Paul and Barnabas and they took him around their mission trips. But was he around Christ and the disciples all the time? We don't know. And what's interesting is that the Gospel of St. Mark is the first Gospel written. And historically they say that St. Luke and St. Uh, Matthew copied from St. Mark, our founder, our Christian founder, the powerful St. Mark. So how is that possible? Did he, was he there during this time? Did he see Jesus' eyes looking deep into this young man? Did he see his facial expression? Was Christ smiling? So St. Mark always does that. Even he mentions that Christ always had compassion on the people or on the sick. This young ruler had a need. And Pope Shenouda says, Jesus looked deep down into the soul of that young man and saw what the world could not see. When Jesus sees you, <clears throat> he doesn't look at your appearance. He looks deep inside. It's not what you wear, or what you do, or your status, or work, or career, or life, house, or house. He looks deep inside. In heaven, you're all equal. Although there's many different places, as they say, different ranks, but here on earth, 
there are different ranks. But in heaven, in the eyes of God, we are all one. He looks to our heart. Jesus answers him. There is one thing you lack. What is it, Lord? He says something very difficult. He says two things, actually. He says, go your way, sell everything that you have. You'll have treasure in heaven. So the treasure that you have now, you sell it. When you sell it, then you'll have it in heaven. The second thing is, come, carry your cross and follow me. And it's not just following Jesus. It's, there is suffering there's tribulation, there is pain by following Jesus. And we all see this throughout our lives, especially during the fasting times. There's always problems. In order to be redeemed, he tells him to sell everything and to follow him. Not easy. Give it all up to be with Christ. You can't have both. You can't be happy and joyous and there's, there, have no problems on earth and everything is going well for you, then there's something wrong. If you're not going through tribulations and tests and sufferings, then there's something wrong. Because in order to be perfect and to go to heaven and have eternal life, God puts us through these tests. There's, there's no other way. And that's why I say, if someone tells me, oh, but I'm going through these problems and I'm, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of sufferings, and I say, you must be doing something right. This verse changed many people's lives. And we know the famous story of St. Anthony. When he heard it in church, who was rich, he had everything, sold everything, and he became a legacy for all the monks in the world, St. Anthony, the father of all monks. Unfortunately, he was too rich. It was his identity, he can't change. He had his prestige, he has his status. What is opposite of being rich? It's not being poor. It's lacking something. Maybe lacking the material. But there is spiritual richness that we all have. Being rich with Jesus. Today is the feast of St. Macarius for Lobatir, and he was rich in his faith, what he did in his life story. You could be rich in your personality, how you treat people, and how people treat you, by giving maybe from your needs, just like the widow. What was the reaction of this rich young ruler? He said, but he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great positions. For he had great positions. The word sorrowful in Greek in this passage is actually much stronger than sorrow. 
It's like grieved. He was grieved. Worse than sorrow. Just like when Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was grieved during Passion Week. He rejected Jesus, the only way out. He lost everything. He needed to carry his cross, but it was too heavy for him. He couldn't. He wanted to stay in his comfort zone. He did not want any change. Sometimes we're afraid from change. This is why we don't move on. We want to stay as we are. A lot of us do that. He wanted to be saved, but on his own terms, not on Jesus' terms. But it's not enough. See, when you have everything, it's easier to fall into great sins. St. Paul wrote in Timothy, first letter of Timothy, chapter 6, verse 17, to the young Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life, eternal life. I sometimes consider our hearts like a fridge. We all have fridges at home, large fridges, and we have, sometimes I open the fridge, not my, not my place, other people's place, it's full of food, full of food and drinks and vegetables and fruits and a lot of color, a lot of different things. And you open the fridge and you're looking for one certain thing. You can't see it with your eyes, so what do you do? You re rearrange things in the fridge to find it, right? Take things in the front off and you go look at the back and you look at the different shelves until you find what you want. Our hearts is very similar to this. Sometimes we need to rearrange things and change things in our heart to see our aim, to see our goal, to see what is right for us. You might not be happy at work. You could be a lawyer, you could be an engineer, even a doctor. So what do you do? You go again and study for many, many years, four, five, six years again. Although you're, you have you know, a good career and good pay, good salary, but you're not satisfied, there's something missing. So you go and change your career completely. People do that. Something is lacking. Maybe at home, your wife or your husband are not happy. Your children are not happy. They're rebelling against you. They're, they're disobeying you. Have you ever thought that maybe the problem is not them, the problem is you? Dig deep into your heart. Rearrange things 
like the fridge, and see what is missing from your home. Maybe your wife needs time with you. Maybe she wants a good word. Maybe your children want time. Maybe they want to hear you. Give them time. Rearrange and see. If you're not happy, then what's wrong? You're lacking something. The ultimate answer is heaven and God. You're not looking to heaven. You're here on earth. You're not using your spiritual life the right way. Change your heart. Rearrange. Ask yourself, what is my true identity? What am I looking for? What am I lacking? Why am I insecure? Why do I fear? What is making me afraid? Is it my sins? Is it putting me down? Go and confess and repent. God forgives. God is merciful. What stands between you and God? Give it up or it will take you down with it. The solution is always looking to heaven. And Christ said so. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Identity is your strong faith. Look up towards heaven and ask God to give you his true love and his true grace. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.